Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, Nick and I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the continued instances of gun violence that are happening in the United States right now. There's just a just brutal, well, lots of gun violence incidents that are that are happening around the country. And we just want to take a moment to acknowledge and in a moment, we're going to say a prayer in the face of gun violence that is written by uh, Father James Martin of the Society of Jesus. We send our hearts out to the family members of everyone involved. Gun violence is a huge issue in the U.S., and we have a lot of work to do, and this isn't nearly going to even scratch the surface, but we will talk about it in our next episode. This one that you're about to hear was already recorded at the time that these tragic events occurred, but we are very intent on discussing it because something needs to change. And it's an important issue for sure. With that, a prayer in the face of gun violence, written by Father James Martin of the Society of Jesus. Almighty God, I come before you once again after another shooting. I am sad, God. So I ask you to receive into your loving care the souls of those who were killed, to care for those who were wounded or hurt in any way, to console the family members and friends of those who died or were wounded, to strengthen the hands of the rescue workers, medical professionals, and caregivers. I pray too for the shooter, as I must as a Christian. All this makes me inexpressibly sad, God, but I know that the sadness I feel is your sadness. It is the same sadness your son expressed when he wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And now, a brief moment of silence. Thank you. And now, Please enjoy this Point of View Academy episode. Hello class, and welcome to Point of View Academy. Someone wise once said that you learn something new every day, and in this series, one of us will teach the other about a topic they don't know much about. The teacher of this episode gives a brief lecture to the class, but the student must pay attention because there absolutely will be a quiz at the end. Today's lesson, Moya Moya disease and my experience with it. Grab your backpacks, marble notebooks, and don't forget to give your teacher a piece of fruit because class is in session. Mr. Do. <laughs> Should I do say what you said in your episode? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just felt like I needed to. Oh my God, that is a massive bug.
I felt like I needed to say that just because you said it the last time, and it was unplanned for our listeners if Cause, they. Because I feel like with the with the cold open and then the school bell, it's like okay, class is in session, the teacher's coming in. Not that any time the teacher came into any of my classes, we acknowledged that person, but we just waited for them to start talking. You know. <laughs> yeah, we'd all sigh because it meant that class wasn't canceled. Right. Right. Um. Nick, we'd all I've... sigh by by. Oh, no, never mind. I was going to make a Gangnam Style joke, but I, I, it didn't work. We sighed by Gangnam Style versus... Yeah, it doesn't work. It was side. supposed to be the other way around. <laughs> All right. And as we learned the other day, I follow his career. Yes, Justin does. His new song, That That, with a member of BTS whose name is escaping me right now, quality. It made its way to the Bruins game the other day. So that was... Oh, nice. Yeah. He's making a comeback. He actually says that in the song. He goes, Sai's coming back. <laughs> That's really funny. Anyway, Nick, I've talked to you a lot off air about, just like in general, about for some reason, whenever I come up with ideas for episodes, they tend to be like super serious or depressing reminders of the worlds we live in. And see, I kind of just did it again by reminding you that I talk about depressing reminders of the world we live in but anyway <laughs> there are definitely exceptions to that like the would you rather episode that i came up with in the the fictional universe which by the way our friend jamie has to be shouted out because that was i was talking with her and she kind of workshopped that idea with me so hi jamie here's your here's your shout out but it comes as no surprise that my academy episode is going to be following the same pattern of being on a kind of serious note compared to your very fun, upbeat topic of Lady Gaga and your experience being a little monster. God, I love her. Um, <laughs> that was a fun episode, but I'm excited to reverse the roles and to, you know, get 100 on your quiz at the end. To be a student? Yeah. Do you have test anxiety? Yes, you heard that on episode we've, three. We've talked a little um, bit about this. <laughs> yes, but, you know, I, but... Th- those I didn't know the questions. This I feel like I'm gonna be able to prepare, take notes, you know, zone out as I do in every other class, you know, that type of thing. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I will be no. paying attention. I'm gonna get a hundred on this. Exactly. And although the topic today seems very different from your topic, I feel like they're both topics that we're very passionate about. And so I hope that's what keeps the episode interesting is you can hear the passion in my voice as I talk about my experience and just about this condition. And just as you did when you spoke about Lady Gaga. Yeah, no, I'm very, I'm also very excited about this one just because I get, um, I'm very interested in different, um, brain conditions, diseases, disorders, all of that. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to learn about this. I've, we've talked about it a little bit, but, um. Yeah, you also, you know about Moya Moya disease just from what I've told you, I'm sure. But I, I don't know if you know the whole story too. As I was writing this episode, I thought about that and I was thinking you might learn a lot about what I experienced because when I was in college the disease was pretty much in check for me and we'll get into that but right. you didn't really experience like my high school middle school elementary school sides of me going through it but right no I, I that part I have not heard about um before we start can you just tell them how we're positioned right now um, <laughs> so I'm in my normal spot and at my desk in my room Nick is he we were trying to f- troubleshoot some some sound stuff some technical stuff so nick is on his couch with the microphone well how would you describe propped up on the on the on the the, back of the couch but just but my computer because the fan was being so loud is basically like 
a full yard away from me. So Justin <laughs> is a little screen in the corner of the room, and I'm like basically on my therapy couch, like, <laughs> which is not actually a therapy couch, but that's what it looks like. It looks like I'm talking to him, and he's my therapist. Which maybe someday. That was the first, first thirty six episodes of the show. But now, <laughs> I say maybe someday, but I feel like there might be a conflict of interest there if you were, if <laughs> I was your therapist. Eh. I'm I'm wearing my glasses today because I thought that would be that would complete the professor teacher vibe here. Yes. Well, I'm ready to be a student. Okay, here we go. So, before we actually get started, I just wanted to give a disclaimer. The information presented in this episode is for informational purposes only. No material in this episode is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen. Never disregard professional medical care or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this episode. Okay. <laughs> thank i feel like you needed to say or something you need to say before i just got right into it so thank you thank you for breaking that ice there you're very welcome so i figured i would start with talking about my experience up until diagnosis so my story begins at five years old about maybe even younger when my parents noticed that when I was playing with other kids outdoors or running around playing soccer or doing something that normal kids would do, I would fatigue a lot easier. I would get tired. And I would experience headaches when I was starting about when I was five years old. Now, my family history has headaches in it. I mean, actually, it has migraine headaches in it. So my parents weren't super concerned. We told my primary care physician about it. And even he wasn't super concerned. He just said, let's keep an eye on it and see what happens. Well, my parents have always said to me that there was something more at play with my fatigue, with my migraines. My mom said her motherly instincts were ringing all of the alarms about, okay, even though she has experience with migraines herself, this didn't seem like it was just migraines. There was something more. So she took me to a few neurologists outside of my primary care provider. And every doctor that we saw said the same thing. Oh, you have, you have a family history of migraines. It's probably just that. You have a family history of headaches. It's probably just that. My mom really pushed and pushed and pushed. And every doctor that we saw would prescribe me a new medication. Honestly, I felt like a lab rat as a kid looking back. I mean, as a kid, I was kind of oblivious to all of this, but looking back, it kind of did seem like I was a lab rat because I would be take I would be put on this medication, then I would be put on this medication and I would experience uh you know, side effects like my fatigue worsened, I got rashes, I I things like that that kids really, you know, when you think about a kid and you think about their childhood, they shouldn't have to be reliant on a medication to to live a normal life you know and so so looking back that was kind of something that i experienced again at the age of between five and six years old i wasn't living the life of a typical child which should be carefree as i got older symptoms got worse my migraines headaches became debilitating and i used to just get them in the middle of the day you know if i was overexerting myself in the heat or i was dehydrated and now I would wake up with one and not be able to get out of bed. I would not be able to go to school. I 
wouldn't even really be able to open my eyes or exit my room because I had phono and photo sensitivity, which is sensitivity to sound and sensitivity to light, respectively. No medication would help lessen this pain, and they got so bad sometimes that the only way to relieve the pain was self-induced vomiting, which really only did that temporarily. I started experiencing with the headaches something known as transient ischemic attacks, or TIAs. And Nick, just for your own sake, I'm not going to test you on like all the names, fancy names of things, but you know, at the end, just, just so you know, because I know that there might be language in here that might be a little bit complicated. All right. <laughs> so anyway, with the migraines, I started to experience what are known as transient ischemic attacks, or TIAs. Another term for these types of symptoms are called mini-strokes because they essentially mimicked the symptoms as if you were having a stroke, but the damage or the, the symptoms would only be temporary. So there wouldn't actually be any physical damage to your brain because you were not having a stroke, but it would mimic everything that a stroke would look like. So in my experience, I would experience numbness I'm saying experience a lot. <laughs> I would feel numbness in my arms and hands, my legs, or even parts of my mouth and tongue. And what would happen is, say my arms and hands would go numb, I wouldn't be able to use them. So essentially, I would feel paralyzed. If my legs went numb, I would fall over, I wouldn't be able to walk. And if my mouth or my tongue went numb, I wouldn't be able to talk. And so as you can imagine, as a, as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old, this was kind of scary. When this happened, I wouldn't be able to communicate. And there were some times where it came, they came on pretty suddenly. And sometimes I would have these TIAs without even a headache. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. But when they came on suddenly was when it was really scary. A couple of incidents where this happened. I was at one of my favorite breakfast places in town. Nick, I don't know if I've, I've taken you there, but I love going out to breakfast. And that's a trait that I've gotten from my grandparents. And so I was out to breakfast with my grandparents, and I believe my mom was there. It was my, my mom's parents and my mom and maybe some other people there, but I'm, I'm forgetting all of the details. And we had breakfast. We were leaving the restaurant. And as I got up, I began to have a TIA. And I fell in the middle of the restaurant and I couldn't get up. And my grandfather tried to pick me up by my arms and bring me back to my feet. But as soon as I went back to my feet, I fell right back to the floor. As you can imagine, the rest of the restaurant was staring at me. What's happening to this kid? What's going on? I didn't faint because I was very much aware of my surroundings. I was, I was, I was with it cognitively. I knew what was going on. I just, my legs were not functioning. My, I've t since talked to my grandfather about this, and, he, and he's, he's told me that this was a, a scarring moment in his life, that his, his grandson was falling and in, in, was on the floor in the middle of a restaurant, and there was nothing he could do about it. After yeah, some imagine. Yes. After some time, this went away, but it was still just kind of embarrassing for me and worrisome for my family members and things like this. Another time that this happened was I was at my doctor's office for my annual physical. 
And you know, Nick, how when you go to the doctor, sometimes they put the stethoscope on your back or on your chest and they ask you, they want to listen to your breathing. They have you take deep breaths. Yes. So the doctor had the stethoscope on my back and he asked me to take deep breaths. Well, it turns out that when I was taking my deep breaths, they were kind of resembling hyperventilation, which is when you know, you breathe really fast. Sometimes if you're crying, that happens. Sometimes if, you, if you're anxious or scared, you might, you know, your breathing might quicken it, quicken. Well, my breathing when I was doing the deep breaths resembled hyperventilation, which when that happens, your blood vessels narrow. And I induced a TIA. So he finished the rest of the checkup. And I got up off of the examining table, and once again, I fell to the ground. And my mom looked at me and and screamed for the doctor. And honestly, I can remember this one, and I kind of laugh as I'm telling it, because my entire waist down was numb, and a little bit of my torso was numb. And the doctor really didn't know what to do, and I didn't really know what to do, but I was smiling because... I guess that's just my personality. I'm very, just usually a positive kid. And I was just like, I don't really know how to handle this very stressful situation. So my bottom half was numb. And I was just, yeah, I don't know if you can picture this, but you know how in, you're a big fan of horror movies. And if a demon is like crawling towards you on the ground, it's just kind of like a creepy, like, ah. Well, yes. I can yeah. imagine myself just trying to hold myself up with my arms with this creepy smile on my face laughing because I didn't know what to do. Um, so that's just something, that's a funny side of this. I mean, some of you listening might be like, oh my gosh, that sounds horrifying. Well, Everyone I, just turned I, off the... Everyone just turned it off. It's like, ah. But I mean, it was, it, I, what can you do, right? You have no idea what's going on. This is happening. So you can kind of get a sense for how serious this, whatever was going on was becoming, right? My migraines were becoming debilitating. I was beginning to having some serious TIA episodes. So my parents decided, okay, enough of these other neurologists, no respect to other neurologists, but we can't keep drugging our kid with these different medications that's having side effects. We need to go to the specialists, right? And we're lucky enough to live in a part of the world where Boston has some of the greatest doctors in the world. And so we, my family made an appointment at Boston Children's Hospital with a neurologist. and. We had an intake and we spoke and the neurologist suggested getting an MRI done. So a couple of weeks later, I get an MRI done and I get called to actually, I believe it was my neurosurgeon, what would be my neurosurgeon's office. And I'm diagnosed with a condition known as Moya Moya disease at seven years old. Now, Nick, I'm going to pause here to see if you have any questions, and then I'm going to continue. Well, Mike, I did have a question. I was going to say, how old were you? And then you answered it, because I am taking notes. Okay, okay. Um, so, no, I don't have any questions, other than I'm kind of surprised none of the— This isn't really a question. Oh, a cardinal just flew in the window. Um, that's a blue jay. Um, I <laughs> was—I get distracted easily. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised that none of the neurologists were like, you should go for an MRI. Right. Beforehand. But so anyway. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, too. But since Moya Moya is such a rare disease, many neurologists don't even know of its existence. Right. So a lot of what that's a lot of the issue and what my family tries to do in raising awareness is 
these doctors had no idea what it was so they it was almost i don't know if they knew not or didn't know about it therefore didn't send for an mri i can't explain it but yeah right. that is an, it is an interesting thing that no other doctor besides the one at children's told me to get an mri okay well i'm glad there's someone at children's honestly that yeah. knew that me too so to pause a little bit on my story and then i'll get back into it i just want to talk about what is moya moya disease so moya moya is in scientific terms a progressive narrowing of the arteries going towards the brain in layman terms Basically, what that means is if you were to take a pool noodle, right, and look at the like the hole in, in the middle, it's hollow, right? If that's someone's blood vessels when they're born, the hollowness of the pool noodle throughout my life of my, my blood vessels going to my brain gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until no water for the pool noodle example, no blood for the artery example can get through. And basically, it leads to the starvation of blood to the brain. This can lead to symptoms like stroke in the most serious cases, TIAs, which I explained, headaches, migraines, seizures, involuntary movement, or occasionally a progressive developmental delay, and even death if not treated. The National Organization for Rare Diseases, which I want to double check that resource. Yes. Okay. The National Organization for Rare Diseases says that there are two peak age groups where diagnosis tends to happen. The first one is in children, five to 10 years of age. And the second one is actually 30 to 50 years of age. This isn't to say that you can, uh, you know, if you're not genetically predisposed, and I'll get into the genetics about it, you'll just develop it. Anyone can develop it at 30 to 50. But there, for some reason, diagnosis and symptoms present themselves first in 5 to 10 years of age and 30 to 50 years of age, which I found kind of interesting. Do you know why? Or is that just like, we don't so know that? That was the next thing I was going to say. So the cause is actually unknown. But in recent years, research has shown that there, are, there may have... Uh, there may be genetic determinants, specifically mutations to the ACTA2 gene. And this is really interesting because this might mean that the condition is familial, right? Like if I might not be the first one in my family, if family history records is, is followed back, or I might have the potential, unfortunately, and this is something that kind of weighs heavily on me, that I might have the potential to pass this on to my kids, which I... Pray to God that that does not happen. But interestingly enough, a few years ago, my cousin was diagnosed with Moya Moya. So we can kind of see how genes might be able to play a role in here. And you can kind of see, I don't know, I guess you can kind of see where the genes play a role in there. Right. Also, interestingly, females and people of Asian ethnicity have a higher risk of being diagnosed with Moya Moya disease. And on, as I've mentioned, potentially on epi prior episodes, I identify as biracial. I identify as Portuguese, 50% Portuguese and 50% uh, Chinese. My dad is Chinese and my mom is Portuguese. And my cousin who was diagnosed with Moya Moya was actually on my dad's side. So you can see the Asian ethnicity might have a higher risk. Mm. Finally, in Japan, one in 300,000 people have Moya Moya disease. But in the United States, 
which is more of kind of a a what's what's the term a, a cluster not a cluster um a, a salad <laughs> no no it's uh, like a melting pot a melting pot of cultures yeah. one one in a million people have in the united states so nick i'm sure as your friend you knew that i was one in a million but i just needed to prove to you that i'm one in a million so i love that for you <laughs> um and you said one in three hundred thousand in in japan japan okay so how is moi moi treated? Well, initially, blood thinners may be prescribed, but in most cases, revascularization surgery is necessary, which basically means since the veins that you were born with are slowly narrowing and narrowing to the point where they might die off, you need to have surgery to make sure that blood can continue to flow to those parts of the brain. So when I was seven years old, in April of 2007, I underwent an eight-hour bilateral surgery called pile synangiosis, or direct revascularization surgery, which was actually pioneered and first done in, in the world, just period, by the surgeon that operated on me. His name is Dr. R. Michael Scott, and I thank my lucky stars that he was in my area and just was so smart and knew to create, uh, create this, this procedure. Basically, what pyosynangiosis does is it reroutes healthy scalp blood vessels uh, or a blood vessel known as the superficial temporal artery to the brain by bypassing the narrowed vessels of moimoya, so the diseased vessels that were narrowing. This what was the vessel that he rerouted? Sorry. The superficial temporal artery. And again, that's not going to be one of them, but like okay. I said, technical language, but if, for, your, for your own knowledge, that's what it was. Okay. So basically, he rerouted that, which, which is on the skull, and he, I don't know how, how you are with these types of details, but he, he drilled a hole in my skull, and he rerouted that artery to directly, and placed a tissue from that artery directly onto my brain to stimulate the development of new blood vessels from the donor scalp artery. This provided a vital source of blood to the brain. And the new blood vessels actually emerge not only from the transplanted tissue from the artery, but also from blood vessels sprouting from the coverings of the brain around the opening in the skull. So basically your 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 brain cavity where you're where in your skull, there's different levels, layers of of your brain. And so vessels when this when this artery is placed onto the brain it encourages other blood vessels to continue to go to the brain and supply that. Wow. Those parts. So that's incredible. By doing the surgery, it encouraged other blood vessels from other areas to grow and help the part of the brain that was diseased. And like I said, the doctor that pioneered this surgery was the first person to do this surgery was Dr. R. Michael Scott, who was my surgeon, which is kind of, kind of amazing. Yeah, that's wild. In the best way. Any questions before I continue? No, honestly, I think I, I have a solid following right now. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad. This is also, like, not necessarily my first time teaching someone something, but, like, I don't know. I feel like it's a good look into if I'd be a good teacher or not. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you would. So going back to my story. After the surgery, migraines continued after surgery, but slowly improved. TIAs essentially were gone which that was the most 
debilitating of symptoms that I experienced. So that was a plus, and my surgeons were very happy about that. Currently, I've reached a point now where I have a relatively normal migraine pattern. I don't get them when I wake up. Usually, I'll get a migraine post-stress. So sometimes people will get it when stress is building. But for me, it's the coming down from a stressful situation. So if when I was in college, for example, and I was done with finals, I would be fine when I was studying for finals and taking finals. But as soon as, say, summer started or winter break started and I was done with finals, I'd get a migraine almost a day or two days later. Wow, that's interesting. That's kind of how my migraine pattern works now. I just have to say something because that sounded ingenuine. I swear to God, I find that fascinating. But it sounded like our joke about Ryan Tedder. And it's like this, this we actually, this This, I actually love. This we actually love. (laughs) No, but like that is so interesting because you would think it's the other way. Anyways, keep going. So I worked with my neurologist to come up with a plan, kind of a quote unquote rescue plan for when I do have migraines. And that plan ended up being, I can't take ibuprofen because... I it interferes with another medicine that I take or my aspirin that I take which I was about to just mention so I but I take a leave and so leave is or the scientific name naproxen I can take one to two right on the onset of migraine symptoms and I'll probably sleep for 30 minutes to an hour and then by then my migraine will be gone so my migraines which went from I would wake up with them and the only relief was self-induced vomiting, and they would last all day, now have become post, only post-stress, really, knock on wood, and I can take one a leave or two a leaves, and they'll improve within an hour. Which that is amazing. A really huge improvement, yeah. I can't wait for people to hear this episode, because especially if you're interested in like um, different diseases, conditions, like I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. I'm glad that you're excited, or not excited about this, but just are, are well, intrigued, yeah, you, intrigued by this, because yeah. I am too. Yeah. The you're only, blowing our minds. <laughs> but um, anyways. The only medication that I took, or I currently take, is I'm required to take a daily aspirin two times a day for the rest of my life. And that's just to keep my blood relatively thin, because I have a history of blood vessels narrowing when just with moya moya. Right. So now where do I go from here? Well, as I mentioned kind of in the beginning of the episode, my family has done a lot of work in spreading awareness for moya moya disease. Not only have we done a lot of work spreading awareness, but we have dedicated ourselves to fundraising for moya moya disease research at Boston Children's Hospital. This stemmed from when I arrived home from the hospital after my surgery in 2007. Now, my siblings were five and three, and they were going to see their older brother with big bandages on the side of my head with where they did the surgery on both sides, bald spots, even when the, when the bandages came off. And so my mom did her best to explain to my siblings what was going on and said, try not to stare. Well, I came home and they were staring at me and without blinking and you know it was a whole thing (laughs) right but (laughs) but what happened was my siblings and I decided that we wanted to do something to help other people who were in my situation who had moya moya disease and so I know it's hard to believe but at seven five and three my siblings and I came to my parents and said 
we want to sell our old toys to help patients at Children's Hospital. And so this sparked our first fundraiser in June of 2007, which was a simple yard sale at our house. And I forget the number, but was pretty successful. And this started us off on a journey of fundraising for more and more disease research going for years to come to this day. That's incredible. Just to hear that, like, kids that young. Wow. I honestly, if I didn't live it, I would dis. I would not believe it too. Because I'm like, kids no, are I believe, like I that, believe, you know? it. like, <laughs> I believe it. You're more positive are, than I am. Kids are like that. Kids are cool. Yes. You know, they're, they're little geniuses. What can uh, I say? <laughs> I was one of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> As you You're, heard in our yeah. last episode, we were both one of them. Yeah, in the in the in the Mother's Day episode. Yeah. This yeah. does he doesn't speak English well. <laughs> Scarring. Right. We'll uh, see you then. <laughs> you were also a genius, though. We heard. Yeah, driving golf carts. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so each year after 2007, our fundraiser grew a little bit. So in 2008, we added a car wash. Following year, we added a car wash and we had a dunk tank. And to the point where in 2017, which was our last day-long event, we had a dunk tank, face paint, merchandise, raffles, silent auction, concessions, three-on-three basketball tournament. And even one year we had a masseuse, which I don't know why, but we were just giving, people were just getting massages in my driveway because <laughs> all of these fundraisers were done at my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny image to me. <laughs> just someone getting a massage in my driveway? Yes. And my, my grandfather was one of them too, which was really That's funny. everything. Just, I think we have a picture of him in the... In the <laughs> which one? With his face in the... In the donut, you know? Yes. My, incredible. Which one? Boba Ted, my, my mom's dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Is, um, I, I never, I'm sorry if he's listening. I don't know which one is Yin. Yin is my grandmother. Yer is my grandfather. Is Yer on the treadmill still? I, I don't, he says he listens to it when he's on the treadmill. So maybe okay, he's so he's got to be on like lap 50 by now. <laughs> Shout out to him. Shout out Yer. And Yin. Hello, all of my grandparents and Voted. Yes. So these fundraisers got really big and they were, they, honestly, it was my favorite day of the year because we would just get everyone, all of my friends, everyone we knew would come to my house and we would have a great time playing basketball and, and just playing games and doing a dunk tank. And I would, I would love going in the dunk tank. That was a lot of fun. Getting and massages. Getting massages, I guess, that one year that we had a masseuse. <laughs> and it was just a really great day and our community i can't thank the all of the people that were all of the companies and families that were sponsors and all of the people who've donated over the years i can't thank you enough because the money that we raised went directly and continue to go continues to go directly to moya moya disease research at boston children's hospital and i'm proud to say that to this day we've raised over over three hundred and fifty thousand dollars from wow research so thank you to anyone who's ever donated to any of our fundraisers because it's because of you that we've been able to be so successful and it's because of you that doctors have been able to make research advances in in moya moya disease some of those being doctors are very close to so i should say this first the only way to diagnose moya moya right now is with an mri image and moya moya actually is Japanese for puff of smoke. Because in an MRI image, if you have moya moya disease, the 
the diseased veins looks like puffs of smoke are coming from those veins. So that's where it gets its name. Doctors are currently very close to being able to diagnose moya moya through a simple urine sample because of the directly because of the money that my family has helped to raise. Wow. In addition, time for the bilateral angiosis, which I have, which I had in 2007, it took eight hours for both sides to be done. That time, that surgery now takes four hours. And because of the money that my family and the foundation that my family runs was able to raise, doctors at Boston Children's were able to create a database to track Moya Moya patients that they've had, they've uh, operated on and hire someone to run it for longitudinal studies of this extremely rare population. So again, I can't thank anyone who's ever donated or contributed or volunteered or helped us with our events because you're the reason that these doctors have been able to do these things. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, that's incredible. It, and it just goes to show like what... I say one person, but I mean that in terms of just, like, your family started this. Like, one group, like, one person really can do. This started from very, quite literally, a three, a five, and a seven-year-old. Right. Exactly. Which is, wow. So, And I'm so grateful that my parents su- continue su- to support my efforts, and I, I, can, I can happily say our efforts to fundraise, because it's just... It's something that I'm very passionate about, and I've never been someone to just, okay, I've experienced this boohoo. I'm going to sit down in the dumps. I'm going to, I'm always been a, you know, my last name is Do. I'm going to do things, you know, I'm, I'm a but doer. So, I'm Dan today because we don't have a sound effect. <laughs> right now, Dan isn't here. So, so, in conclusion, I guess this is just what I want to say Moya Moya disease is rare. One in a million in America, one in 300,000 in Japan. The statistic used to be one in two million, but they're getting better in the world, but they're getting better at diagnosing. The disease is rare, but its impact on patients who have it is very real. In fact, 10% of adults and 4.3% of children who are diagnosed with the disease unfortunately do not survive. Also, too, with, with adults, just a side note here, with the adult population, it's diagnosed within the context of other things often. So high blood pressure, heart condition. So that might come into play as well. Yeah. While for kids, it might be a more isolated thing of this is what's going on. It's sometimes not because it's sometimes in the context of Down syndrome or sickle cell disease. But with adults, it's more commonly diagnosed with other comorbidities. Right. So as you can see, the seriousness of raising awareness of this condition You may be asking yourself, Justin, how can I help raise awareness then? How can I help fundraise too? Well, I'm happy to share that there are several ways that you as a listener of this show can help in spreading awareness. First, share this episode. This may be one of the easiest things you can do, and the description of this episode even includes a few resources about Moy Moy disease. Second, visit my family's website. That's www.moya.com. Moya, M-O-Y-A, dot com. If you feel called, you can help us in our efforts by contributing what you can to this year's fundraiser. There, we don't do day-long events, although we might do something later this year to, uh, to be announced. And just follow the link on that website that when, after you click donate. Again, that's 
moya-moya.com. And we can put that link in our bio too, in our link tree. Absolutely. Finally, later this year, my wonderful co-host and producer of our show, Nick and Dan, (laughs) agreed to, for Point of View to be hosting another merchandise sale. This time it will be in support of Moya Moya Disease Research. And there will be different items from last fall's sale and the amount going to Moya Moya Disease Research is to be determined. But that's just a heads up in case you're one of those people, which there's no disrespect. Sometimes, you know, your money's in, our money is important to all of us, right? And it, sometimes if we want to be donating to something, you might want something in return. And if that's the case, well, you can get a nice point of view t-shirt with or nice point of view hoodie or whatever else we decide. Again, we're in the very early stage of planning this just for helping out. We will also have new designs for 2022. This, it, just to throw that in there is my, my excitement for that. Yes. So new, new merch to be announced, to be uh, determined, but that's also another way that you can help. Any, any, any questions before we get into the quiz, Nick? Honestly, or comments? no, I'm just like, I'm in awe of what your family has been able to do because that is quite literally saving lives. Um, I, yeah, no, that's, that's honestly all I have to say. And, and it's inspiring. It makes me want to contribute more, um, just to all different, you know, causes, but yeah. I have to say, it's kind of weird sharing about and being like proud of the success, not weird to be proud of the success, but like, no, you should be. I try and, you know, I try and be a, a humble down to earth person, but it is yes. something that I am really proud of and just very grateful for my family and just everyone who's ever, as I've thanked them multiple times in this episode, right. but it's just something that I am really proud of. And yeah, I'm glad that that shows through. So. Are you ready for your quiz? Oh, I'm ready for my <laughs> quiz. I'm, I've, I've been ready. Okay. I've so, been uh, taking notes here on this couch. <laughs> you can see me barely. So this one, you had five questions. I only have four. That's okay. Actually, so, that's not okay because it gives me a lower chance. it gives chance you a lower... Well... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't... I, I can don't. make up a fifth one I was on kidding. You're good. You You're good. <laughs> okay. Good. So the first question. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about my experience and the symptoms that I experienced before being diagnosed with Moya Moya. One of those things being TIAs. Name a part of my body that was affected when I experienced TIAs. So you, well, you'd either, sometimes it was your legs. You like, they became paralyzed, right? Not paralyzed, but like you couldn't move them. So I guess that arms and legs would go numb. Um, Sometimes your mouth or tongue would go numb and you wouldn't be able to talk and they came on suddenly. Yep. You got that one. I could tell you took very detailed notes. Okay. Second question. What does Moya Moya mean in Japanese? Puff of smoke. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Ow! I was nervous. I said, okay, I said that so quickly. I was nervous that I just like <laughs> blurted stress answered it. Yeah. I, I knew it, but I was like, oh, wait. I second guessed myself after I had said it. Do you remember why? Yeah, because it looks like this one I actually knew before the episode because you had told me. Okay. It looks like a puff of smoke on the MRI scan. Yes. Like the blood the, vessels. The, the diseased, diseased vessels. Diseased blood vessels. Uh, third question. In the United States, how many people have Moya Moya disease? Um, one in a million. Yeah. 
That's correct. Was that the number, or was there a certain number that you... No, nope, one in a million. That's what okay. I was looking for. In yep. One in 300,000 in Japan. That was a there clarifying question I had. <laughs> you glad you asked it? Yes. Although, I guess, I guess... Well, I'm glad for my own knowledge. For your own knowledge, yeah. Right, because that wasn't the exact question that I asked. Right. Finally, last question. Name a medical advancement in Moye Moye diagnosis and or treatment that I mentioned. Okay, so... Wait, I have a couple. There's it, the <laughs> surgery takes half as long now. It was eight hours. Now it's four. Um, you, they are close to being able to diagnose it just from a urine sample, which is wild. Yep, using biomarkers um, in a urine sample. Yep. Yeah, which I don't know what that means, but I know what a <laughs> urine sample is. I don't know what biomarkers are. Um, and also the post-op. I, I don't know if you would necessarily call this like a science. No, I guess it it is a scientific advancement because enough people they've operated on enough people now that they have the um database of post op um or I guess survivors um or patients uh to follow up to track their progress and um get medical advancements or scientific advancements just to know how to better treat other patients. I kind of butchered that last one, but no, but you 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 explained it well. That was Thanks. you got 100% which you knew you were going to get 100%. I didn't know ready. for sure. You I, came I on really... here like, I'm ready to get 100. I knew. You know, I, well, I was, I, I <laughs> took notes and I wanted to like, because it's also like not, like this is something that's very like important to your life story. So I wanted right. to be attentive and like know more about it. Cause like, right. you know. And just I to feel like that's talk about how, what you mentioned there, about how it's important about my life story too. I think it's a big reason. It's an experience that I had at a young age, right? And I think it's a big part of who I am. It, it doesn't define me by any means, right. but it, but it's a big part of who I am because I have a passion for helping people. And I was surrounded by individuals who did that for a living, medical professionals who helped people. And it's very cool that for years I was a patient at Boston Children's Hospital and now i work there so i just think that that's a very cool full circle moment and i'm inspired by the work that they do every day and so i'm extremely grateful for everything that they do and yeah i don't know just a little little plug of how you never know where life will take you and sometimes you just got to go with it yeah and I just want to just add to this, we can take this out if you want, but I love these Academy episodes because I love how they're, they're almost like, well, you, we, we genuinely learn on the, like as a host, like I didn't have to prepare for this at all in the same way that you didn't have to prepare for the Lady Gaga one, but you learn so much. And also you can just tell that every time that we pick a topic for one, I know we've only done two, but it's, it's ones that we're very like that ignite that passion. Yes. that fire so i i Absolutely. really like doing these and i can't wait to do more it was fun planning it too like i learned things about moya moya that i didn't know too like i always thought that one in two million was still the still the statistic but now it's one in a million which i think is interesting yes how that happens but yes anyway my name is justin do and i'm nick gervasi and you can reach us at our email, pointofdupodcast at gmail.com, or by sending us a voice message on our website, anchor.fm forward slash pointofdu. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at pointofdupodcast and Twitter at pointofdu. If you enjoy our show, give us a rating or review in the Apple Podcast Store, or share us with a friend or family member. And definitely share this episode 
to spread awareness for more and more. We really appreciate it as always and are truly grateful for every single one of you. And we hope you have a wonderful week. And thank you for listening. And until next time, Nick. Allow me to do the honors. H. Of course. Because they will carry on. If the other side is a sad story. This time the colors will not be the same